And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to the Athletic MBA Show. Monday through Friday. On the Athletic Podcast Network. This is Nerdish You Wrote with your host, Dave Dufour. With Mo DeKeel. Are you ready to be entertained? And Seth Partnow. Welcome to the Athletic NBA Show. It's Friday. This is Dave DeFore. I got Mo. I got Seth. That means it's Nerder She Wrote. We're back for another week. Uh, fellas, we have had some really fun games the last few days. This has been this has been a, a better week, I think, than than we've had so far uh, to start the season. What about you guys? Uh, we're recording on Thursday. Last night, Wednesday, was the second game night of the season where there has not been a 20-point blowout. So I think that's uh, last couple of days of games. We definitely have had fewer of the the wire to wire laughers and more kind of competitive games all the way through, which helps. I think some of it is guys are beginning to get used to the flow again, you know, and the rhythm. I mean, with how how weird everything was, even at the start, I think they're beginning to find their the, the game flow a little quicker and easier. You know, something I was thinking about uh, after our show last week, and we talked about teams pulling the plug sooner. I wonder if we're going to start seeing teams alter their rotations to try to take advantage of that. And it, it came up right after the show when Golden State played Portland. Steph Curry rests the beginning of the fourth quarter. It's, it's his schedule. He, he plays all of the first. First, he, he plays the last six minutes of the second and then repeats that in the second half last six minutes of the fourth quarter. Well, the Warriors had like a 15 point lead heading into the fourth. To me, that would have been a great opportunity to upset your rotation for three minutes and take a big home run swing. If you get that lead to 20, are you guys telling me that Terry Stotts looking at the schedule ahead of him? Isn't going to say, all right, we got to pack it in because we're probably not going to win this game. We need to be able to, to be rested and ready for the next game. Am I, am I overthinking this? Yes. Uh, <laughs> you don't think it's worth, you don't think it's worth taking a shot, uh, like play Steph Curry four minutes at the start of the fourth. And if you can get that lead to 20, then you pull then him to and, me. And now the game to, is to over. me, it's a, a, that's a playoff mentality. That's not a regular season mentality. Cause here's the other side of it. That's Dave. fair. Here's the other side. But in the playoffs, they're not pulling the plug. The other side is, and if you don't cut into that lead, now you're in trouble because now you've overextended well, him and he doesn't no, have no, the no, legs no. at I'm the end of the game. I'm saying they have a lead. Right. Saying, they have right. a, they have a 14 if, point and lead. You're saying stretch, you play him so that you can stretch it out or so you can stretch it out, blow him out and give him the rest, which is great. And the other side of it is, no, you don't. And now it's a six point game. And he's played he would 40, ends up in. playing 42 minutes. Yeah, and now you've and now you've really put yourself in a bad spot. And down the stretch, he doesn't have the legs he would normally have. Okay, well that leads into our first topic, which actually came from a listener, uh, DJ uh, 
appreciate you, you hitting us up on Twitter with this topic idea. And to everybody listening, we're always looking for interesting things to talk about. So please continue to, to give us topics. But he asked if there was any viable evidence that says 38 minutes per game portends higher injury risk uh, or a depreciation of, of a performance uh, versus like 34, 35, 36 minutes. And, and I think that this is a great question because, you know, we've watched LeBron James sort of uh, load manage himself in games. Like he, he could play 40 minutes a night, but there is a different level of intensity when the game calls for, for more intensity. And so I, I'm wondering, Seth, in particular for Seth, because you, you've looked at the numbers on this, what sort of drop-off do most guys see when they cross that threshold? Let's say 35 minutes to 40 minutes. Like, is there, is it steep? So this is, this is one of those, those questions that keeps coming up a lot. First of all, like we sort of use minutes played because we don't have anything better, but minutes aren't minutes. Like we're, we're trying to, you know, estimate kind of what's known as athletic load. Uh, And, you know, the pace of a game, how you're playing a game. I mean, you're, you know, Think of defensively, you're playing against Houston versus you're playing against Miami. You're If you're not guarding James Harden, you're doing much less defensively in that game against Houston than you would against you know, a team that does a lot of off-ball action and blah, blah, blah. So, you know, those minutes, like minutes don't always equal minutes. So the minutes are kind of a shorthand. The second part that makes it problematic is it's hard to come up with the cutoff because in part, like, the last couple minutes that you're going to play, assuming you're closing a game, are you know played under different conditions. I mean, if you look at how the game is played, the first two or three minutes of a game are played sort of differently. In in large part, like refs are very reluctant to call fouls that early in the game, uh, and then like the last six minutes or so of a competitive game are also played just played very differently. So the statistical accumulation. Uh, gets weird to begin with. And and so um, that's a long-winded way of saying I haven't looked at it in enough detail to control for all these things to really be sure. However, I don't think it's just a one-game problem. Right. It, it's, it's, it's about the entire season because every single game is, is different. And Mo, something we talked about when we were discussing this topic is how different – like if you're going to play 38 minutes a game, right, and you're closing – those games or if you're playing 38 minutes in a game i should say the odds are that's a close game otherwise you're not having your stars play at the end of the game and those minutes when at the end of the game when it's close that's a different level of intensity right Mom? no it's a whole different deal and, and seth and, and you both kind of alluded to it it's it's those last six minutes of a close game it's it's more stressful it's more urgency you're you're from both sides so you're you're going at it harder and so is the other team. So you're competing on a different level. It's it's not a you can't take a playoff mentality. You can't – I'm not going to make this rotation right now. It's no big deal. But it's like, oh, no, this might be the game deciding play. So I have to make that that play. I have to make that rotation and so on and so forth. So you know, if it's, it's the wrong rotation, uh, trademark Russell Westbrook. I mean that's <laughs> – oh, God. We're just going to take a shot that quick. Okay. Yeah, so. well, it's still a rotation. It's still I mean, a rotation. He's done it twice against Philly this year. That's all it's I'm effort. Saying. It's effort. It's, it's effort, though. It's effort. It's better than watching Zion from time to time. Um, just stand there. Uh, so, but the, the level of intensity goes up. So, of course, you know, you, you end up 
playing harder and your adrenaline and all that stuff's pumping. So you exert more energy. But one thing I also want to talk about when we talk about just minutes, the big thing isn't just the number of minutes they play. It's consecutive minutes. You know, there are, right. there are guys can go, you know, Hey, we can play 38 minutes, but we got to give them, you know, bursts of rest or here or there. You know, we saw it with when Zion came back and they were being very, I thought even too careful with the, the bursts, but it's, it's a level of like, there are times where you can look at it and it kind of goes to what you said at the top of the show, Dave, you can leave a guy out there too long and he just gets right. gassed. And, and then you have, and now you've exhausted any chance for him to recover. Well, this is 100%. I know this for a fact is part of the thinking with the Steph Curry rotation, right? Is you play him for that full quarter, especially to start games because he's such a rhythm player and you help him get into rhythm that way. But then he gets the quarter break and six minutes of the next quarter. And so he winds up with, you know, I don't know, 20 minutes on the bench of rest time. And then he can come out and go full tilt for that last six minutes. I know that's why Steve Kerr does that. Yeah, this is, I I remember the first time this started to get talked about was late in John Stockton's career. They'd actually in like playoff games, they'd have like, yes, well, he's, he's sat (laughs) for two minutes of game time, but it's 19 minutes of real time. And it's just like, well, a, that's interesting. B, why are those two minutes taking nineteen minutes? <laughs> but that's a whole other. Um, <laughs> no, but but to 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 Mo's point and to your point, I mean, I'm I am not an expert in exercise science to to any degree. But I mean, there is the concept of redlining, right? You can you can you can go to a certain extent and recover. You can go to a certain extent and recover. But there's a point at which you go fast. You go past, and it's not I'm recovering in minutes. It's I'm recovering in days. And so that's that's the worry. If you make a guy, if you push a guy too hard, a guy can can go at the intensity he plays for six minutes, and you make him play nine minutes. You redline him, and he's done for the game. Now, the hard part again is since we can't uh, legally track kind of um, athletic load in games. So do it illegally. No one has ever done that. Uh, uh, Tom Haberstroh has never reported on on teams doing wearables in games. Um, but no, so I mean, that, but that point is is different for every player, and it can be different for a given player based on their conditioning level. So it just becomes it, right. it again becomes very hard to study. And I think over the course of a season, I think that you know the gains to an extra minute. I think are outweighed by the downsides of, you know, all the bad things that can happen if you go too far, you know, it's yeah. very much a price is right thing. Like, you know, going, right. going over is it's a whammy and, and going under, you could still win. And, and I want to kind of, this kind of goes back to the playoffs and all the stuff we kill bud for in terms of how much he plays Giannis, you know, and I think that's something that in the regular season, you have to start conditioning these guys as bodies to be able to do that. There's a, a way you can ramp it up, you know, ramp, ramp these guys up slowly so they're ready by the playoffs. You know, I'm not saying, yo, Giannis needs to play 40 minutes tomorrow, but you need to just ramp them up so that their body can handle that load when you need them to, you know, whereas if you just throw it in now, it's like when everybody in the playoffs was like, yo, they got to play Giannis more. I said, I don't know if Giannis's body could handle that. And if we'd get the production value, and again, we don't know the numbers out of it but like it would just be extremely difficult and i think that's an important fact and that's going to be something to watch for with the knicks you know you have alfred payton balling you have julius randall balling payton played 42 minutes last night randall played 40 minutes last night i i that how long can rg barrett only played 33 though 
No. <laughs> but but that's the thing. How long can they sustain playing these heavy minutes and be productive? At a certain point, your body's like, yo, dog, I need a rest. Well, let me let me ask you guys this. In a season that is likely to continue to have more blowouts than normal, do you think playoff teams are going to be less prepared because they're they're going to play fewer high leverage minutes overall? That's that's a that's a great question. Um, I, I was talking to to Ben Falk, uh, hopefully future guest in the program, Ben Falk, uh, about this this week, and he and when when he his stats on cleaning the glass kind of remove garbage time. Um, and he defines garbage time basically time score and and number of starters on the floor because the teams will kind of tell you when the game's over right. by by their guys coming out. Um, basically, through a beginning of this week, there was in fourth quarters games were average, averaging an extra minute of garbage time per game, which is just a massive increase between this year and last year. And so, yeah, you talk about there being fewer high leverage reps if the trends continue that's a lot you know if you go from you know you go from you know five minutes of clutch play a game to four that's that's 20 percent less you know hashtag math yeah and we and because we talked about how unprepared teams were in the bubble you know i mean it was one of the big things about the clippers that we felt wound up being their undoing was not having a lot of time with their guys healthy playing in games that, that mattered. And when I'm, when I'm looking at what the first few weeks of the season has, has been like, it's one of the things that's top of mind is, you know, as the regular season becomes more and more about getting yourself ready for the playoffs, right? The talented teams, that's what they're doing. They're, everything that they do all season long is about having yourself reaching your peak just in time for the playoffs. I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be pretty hard to have your rotations totally mapped out and to know what you want to do by the time you get there, just because of the lack of opportunity. I don't are think- teams are teams building towards the playoffs or are they getting to the playoffs? I think there's a difference, and I think some teams are better at actually like this is you know something that you know we at some point we'll probably talk about the struggles of the Raptors this year, but this is something that Nick Nurse has been notable for in the regular season is especially his first year with Kawhi was like, okay, we're a championship contender. We know we are all cost us a game or three this season, just to try stuff during the season, because I want us to be our best then Um, versus, you know, there, there's other, I just want to maintain and get us to, this is you know, the Clippers were maybe the other extreme last year. Let's get ourselves there healthy and then we'll work it out. And I, you know, I think we all kind of agree at this point that the Clippers should have been treated the regular season differently than they did. Oh, they should have been less arrogant. Let's just be honest. Let's let's not let's let's throw the punch. Yeah. No, they shouldn't have been so damn arrogant with how they acted all last season, thinking they're just going to walk through everything. Um, sorry, Seth, I did cut you off. No, no, it was is appropriate. I was rambling. Um, but yeah, so but but to to I mean, I think that they're what Dave is saying. That's how teams should operate. I'm not sure that's how I I'm, I am sure not every team does it that way. It's there are right. Not every team, but there are definitely teams that do. I think it's going to be more difficult for them. I think it's what's I, I don't I don't necessarily think it'll be more difficult for the teams that know they're going to be in the playoffs. You know, like we saw it, like you see it with Frank Vogel. Watch his closing lineups. They're never the same because he's testing guys out. You know, in the game they lost to Portland, he played Montrez Harrell a lot longer in the fourth quarter than he probably should have because he wanted to see what Montrez Harrell 
had, you know, and, and, and it cost him the game with how bad he was defensively. Now, maybe he should have known this in film from everything we've known about Montrez forever, but he needed to see it for himself and see how it would work with the other guys and whatnot and, and go from there. It's about kind of like, it's almost for some of these teams, the regular season is a fact finding mission. What can we go to? Right. What can we not go to? And then for the teams that are just trying to make the playoffs, it's, you know, we just got to make the playoffs. I think we need to do a better job, by the way, of, of recognizing what you just said. Like, I think that, uh, that some people probably like, you know, criticized Frank Vogel for that. It's like, yeah, oh, that, yeah. Okay, if you're trying to win tonight, that's maybe not. But let's see. Like, let's like, you know, you. I think we all suspect that that might be an issue with with Montrez Harrell. But how much does it matter to the Lakers season to take a game in December, January and give it a look? What is that like? Well, also, also the the Lakers have that personnel that you maybe you can close games with Montrez Harrell, and, but he doesn't and know until if he doesn't try it a few times. You don't know right. exactly. No, no, I, I agree completely. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, but this is stuff that Frank Vogel did even last season. You know, like it was it was he had a rotating closing lineup, and whoever was going well that game, he was putting in, and then he decided what he wanted to go to in the finals, and and you know during the playoffs with you know it was. LeBron, Morris, and and uh, AD, and that worked out for them because they won a championship. So it's for some of these teams, it's that way. So like your original question, though, Dave, is it going to be harder for these teams? I don't think it's going to be harder for the smart teams that know they're going to be in the playoffs. But I also think this is something that happens every regular season, not just this year. And I know your point with more blowouts or whatnot, but you're still going to play guys. You're still going to explore. And even in some games, don't be surprised if some blowout games, you see guys, starters play a little longer just because it's like, yo, they needed to get the burn. They needed to get the run. We needed to see if we wanted to try a few things. Don't, I wouldn't be surprised if it's 60. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And and, and by the way, I'm here for that. So it's, you know, let's see. Try taking me out of a game. If I'm close to scoring 20, ain't happening. (laughs) Well, Hey, listen, if your own teammates taking you out of the game, uh, you know, it's going to be the wow. scene from major league. It's going to be the wow. scene from major this league where, where Doran's on first base. It's going to be major league two. <laughs> Doran's on first base and they're trying to take him out. And he's like, Nope, I'm not leaving. It's going to be me. <laughs> All right. Well, so we're going to do something different this season and we're going to start with this episode. Um, we're going to do a better job of, of actually talking about specific teams and things that we're noticing with one team at a time. I just think it's a little bit better way for us to check in on things. And since we're talking about, you know, Bradley Beal going for 60, let's talk about Philly. Let's talk about the team that gave up 60 to Bradley Beal. Um, In particular in that game, I don't know why their defense, they didn't just play him straight up. I mean, they were top locking him and, and he was cutting back door the entire game. Seth Curry kept giving up middle which pulled Embiid up so he was out of position. And and Bradley Beal just feasted. And it makes no sense. They had the personnel to play him straight up. I don't I don't get that. It was just more I think it's just one of those things where they put in a game plan and you know if Seth Curry's giving up middle, screws up the game plan. Now should Doc change? Probably. I mean it's sometimes it's something that he doesn't do all that well in, in, in the moment and things like that. But the truth is also they weren't really getting hurt by anybody else. I didn't feel like, I mean, I didn't, if it's like, look, Doc would take that. Okay. Bradley Beal's going to score 60, but we're going to get the win. Good. I got it. We're fine. That's a win for us. Plain and simple. So I think that's something that they would, they would do. So instead of kind of trying to adjust sometimes too much or trying to be too reactionary to what's happening, 
opens up things. And now Davis Bertans is hitting threes. Now Russ is getting into the lane at will and finding Thomas Bryant for for a bucket. You know, it's all of those things. And I think it was as much as it was like, yo, do something different. Stop this guy. It's like, well, no, if we we're still winning and they were up most of that game by like 10 or 15 until the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. This, it reminds me, and this is one of Eric Names' uh, favorite quotes. This is my uh, my last year, I think, in Milwaukee. Um, we played, I think, the Knicks, and the Knicks hit a bunch of threes in the first half. And someone asked Giannis about it after the game, and if we're you know still giving up threes to like you know mediocre shooters, and they're making them, and and his response is, "Hey, that was the game plan, and uh, they they made some shots, but did they win? They did not win." And I think that's that's a little bit like what. Uh, um, like like what Mo was saying, like yeah, Beal's getting getting sixty, but at the end of the day, we have ten more points than Washington at all time. So why do anything different? You know, it's it's it well, it is, got a little close there. You know, it, it, got, it, it, got, Schmitz, it got close but, in the end, but it was like you know, yeah. and, and and became a, a exciting stuff. But but it it becomes a different story then once you start. When you, it's, it's the cartoons, right? When you try to plug the one right. hole, three other holes pop up and it's like, oh, wow, I have this problem. Now I have more. I've made it worse. And you can't go back. It's harder to just back to, okay, go back to normal. Go back to what we were doing, guys. It's like, oh, well, okay. You know, it becomes more challenging. And I think that's something that we, we don't appreciate a lot, you know, at, on the outside kind of looking at these things. We're always like, why can't we see this change, you know, and why can't they make this change? Well, all right, Mo, you you worked with Doc Rivers. What do you see from this team that that shows that he's put his fingerprints on it? Like, does this seem like a Doc Rivers team yet? I think there's just there's a confidence level in the sense of like, listen, last year this team would be up big a lot and blow leads, you know, and 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 lose the games. And I think there was that at the end was like, okay, let's lock down. You know, I don't know what the Zach number was, I think it was like an eight Oh run or something to end the game or, or, or something to really kind of put it away a little bit or, or, or keep it safe. But it was that kind of stuff. And it was a, a level of like, Oh crap, we screwed up. And then it just gets worse. And I think that's something that we're seeing that's different from this team this year versus last year where they would have just lost a game. I think we have to acknowledge that also the, the, the biggest difference, the coaching has obviously changed. The biggest difference is their, their, personnel just fits better. I mean, I, I wrote earlier this week at The Athletic, no team improved their shooting by more. And when you start with, you know, Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, that's kind of important. I mean, last year we thought they'd be great defensively and maybe get just enough shooting. And they were only pretty good defensively and didn't get nearly enough shooting. And this year they've they've been really good defensively, um, albeit they've perhaps played the softest schedule in the league. Um, but they've been really good defensively, and you know, you you plug in Danny Green and Seth Curry for Al Horford and Josh Richardson, like that's a massive upgrade in your spacing around two guys who need spacing. Yeah, I mean, the ones I mean, they shot sixty two percent from three last night. Yeah. I don't know, <laughs> was the Liberty Bell being constructed the last as, time they as, shot that as, well? As, like, Seth Curry, as Seth Curry says, that's just Wednesday. So yeah, <laughs> perfectly fine. And I think there's another thing aspect of this team that I'm really enjoying watching, and it's it's Joel Embiid's having a great season, but he's passing so much better out of the double teams, and it's not necessarily for the assist. It's the immediate kick out that leads to the swing swing 
you know, pass. It's the, the, the hockey assist. It's all of those things. And he's just doing it so much better this year. Whereas last year he would just try to take on the double and triple teams on his own half the time. And I think there's that level of improvement that we're seeing from him. That's made a huge difference that allows him to allows the team to take advantage of, of him maximizing him in the post and allow them to show like, yeah, we can shoot now. So good luck doubling us. How much of that is, first of all, him having more confidence. It's like, yeah. Oh, the guy helped off Seth Curry. There you go. And also, you know, last year, especially in the playoffs with, with Simmons out, they just had so hard a time entering the ball to him. And now he knows if he gets good position, he's going to get the fastball in the face and be able to go to work. So if he gets it, gets doubled, there's no hesitation. Like, yeah, I'll go. I'll, you know, they doubled. That's great. We won this possession. Let me kick it out. I'll do the same thing next time and they won't double because we just banged a three. So I'll get it back. And I think psychologically it makes it just easier to play better when you I have agree. all this thing working together. Yeah, but I think this was something that was a problem even two years ago. Like Embiid just had – Embiid has the tendency, and you can still see it on the, the top of the key, being a ball stopper. Like there are times where I'll watch and, – and guys, I yell – I coach every team. I yell at the TV every time <laughs> I'm watching, and I'll just yell, swing! <laughs> you know, and he's going to stop and pump fake and try to do – because he's going to try to get to the line or do that long lumbering drive to the hoop. So there's still a little bit of ball stopper tendencies – but it's much mm-hmm. better right now, his passing out of the post, than it's been at in, in, in any point in his career. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. I actually think if he would cut out the, the pump fake for nobody, right? Those pump fakes that he that he takes where he's got an open look, I would rather him just shoot it, right? Catch it in rhythm and take that shot rather than pump fake, slow everything down for a minute and... and you know, try to hit your euros. The, the Valanciunas pump me. fake that no one should ever buy. Yeah. On. Oh no, but people yeah, buy on like, Embiid. I know. That's uh, the thing. <laughs> well, people buy on buy on Valanciunas sometimes too, and it's like that would be a fine. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's amazing. So, <laughs> through eight games, and, and I know like their schedule has been kind of soft, but man, I think Embiid has been one of the five or six best players in the league so far. Um, when you look at his offensive production, and then the way he's playing defense. Uh, he certainly still has those moments where it's like, man, I know how good you are. How did you not make this play? But it just feels like so far there's fewer of those uh, nitpicky defensive possessions out of Embiid. Of course, I also started this conversation by talking about one where he was kind of, you know, caught in a little bit of no man's land. So uh, maybe I, I need to just stop nitpicking. No, well, you know, this is something that that I've talked about a lot recently is, you know, 
with respect to like Kevin Durant, who part we were looking forward to that game tonight. Again, we're recording on Thursday, and now that Durant's out, there's a little bit of the of the you know this was going to be like one of Philly's first big tests of the season, and now it's not so much. Um, uh, but when we're looking at Durant and, and kind of what he has this year, we are we need to nitpick. And for Philly to be a contender, like they need Joel Embiid to be a top five or thereabout player. So yeah, nitpick. You know, there's the, there's the, those nits are the difference between being the the 15th best player and being the fifth best player, and that's the difference between going to the finals and not. In many cases. Well, let's let's nitpick. Let, let's how's Ben Simmons doing to you guys? I mean, defensively, we know what he is. Um, I'd like to see him take more of those in rhythm three pointers. I mean, we all would, but like I don't want to. I don't want to look nice. I don't want to. It's when he's ready to do it, he'll do it. You know, kind of thing. And it's got it. He's got to feel fine. I like when I see aggressive Ben Simmons, and that was something that you saw in the early in this game against Washington. I keep going to that game just because it's fresh in my head. But like you can see the games when he's aggressive and when he's passive. Aggressive Ben Simmons is a whole other thing, and he's looking to get out in transition. He's looking to get downhill, attack, get to the free throw line, and things like that. I like that. When we don't see it, that's a problem. And that's the thing. The Sixers need aggressive Ben Simmons all the time, and that's that's going to be a thing that Doc's going to have to work on. I like the way Doc's handling it, you know, and I think that's that's been a good thing. He's not putting more pressure on him, you know, in the sense of, like, he's got to shoot threes. He's got to shoot threes. It'll come when it comes. Maybe it doesn't come. Who knows? But it's it's he is not putting this extra pressure on him. He's saying, go be you and we'll figure it out. Well, here's another way that that Seth Curry and Danny Green on this team are really going to help Philly. Those two guys are fantastic shooters in transition. They're both really, really great at getting to the spot they need to get to. Make it staying in the eye line of the guy pushing the ball in transition. And obviously, we know Ben Simmons is, is skilled there. Um, by the time the playoffs roll around, we could be talking about them as making a real finals run, as long as this chemistry continues to build. I like what I see so far, throwing out the fact that they've had a pretty easy schedule. I do think that now that this team makes sense, you can see it on the basketball court kind of coming together. Yeah, I think that I think that's right. I do. Um, there's a little bit of of one of the things I always look for at, at for Simmons is free throw rate, and he's not taking that many more free throws on a per possession basis, but as a share of his offense, it's a career high. Um, he's actually be- well, and that's because they have and a that's little good, more, yeah. right? No, because they have a little bit more talent. Like his usage is down down mm-hmm. a tick or two, but his his free throws are actually up a tick or two. So that means. You know, he's still not shooting free throws great, but even at a 60% clip, like getting fouled and going to the line for two shots is a pretty good possession. And, you know, he's doing that better this year. Um, and so that's my a big, big part thing for him. with Simmons. My big things with, with Simmons has always been uh, if he could improve his free throw shooting, that's great. But he needs to be drawing more fouls. He, he avoids contact because he doesn't want to shoot those free throws. I mean, he's not the first guy to ha- struggle from the free throw line and avoid contact because of that. And and I think that he's doing that less. Like he is actually being more aggressive attacking the basket. And the added bonus, the, the important thing about it is drawing the fouls is even if you don't make the free throws, you're putting your team closer into the bonus. 
And that means mm-hmm. the loose ball files when, when Embiid or Tobias Harris are going up for a rebound results in the two free throws, you know, earlier in the game. And that's, that's the key. Yes. We all wanted to make the free throws. It's extremely important. Obviously that, that might even cost them a game at some point. It has in the past where teams fouled him deliberately down the stretch, but the importance of getting into that bonus early and, and I don't know, Seth, maybe you can tell me, maybe I'm throwing something at you that's going to be pretty unfair, but I don't know if there's a number out there or a way to look it up, but how quickly teams get into the bonus in each quarter is an important stat. Like, you know, this is something we used to write on the board was draw fouls, draw fouls, get us into the things. And then there were games where I'll watch a game and be like, oh, this team's in the bonus with seven minutes left in the, the quarter. Like, oh, they're about to shoot a gazillion free throws in this quarter. Um, and, and so on. So I think that matters. And I think that's a big part of his, his addition, his help to the team when he draws those fouls. Well, the other thing about drawing fouls, and especially for a team that, that is going to have a dominant defense like Philly is that going to the free throw line, you are always going to have a set defense on that next possession. You're not getting caught in transition. I mean, transition is obviously the best way to score in basketball. Um, you're, you're limiting those opportunities for your opponents. Not a lot of transition offer, opportunities come off of a missed free throw. It just, it just isn't really a thing. And so they also have that advantage. And so you know, as we watch this season progress, I, I think Simmons' free throw rate is something to really pay attention to for the success of, of Philly. Uh, I'm vamping here because I'm actually uh, – pbpstats.com actually tracks uh, the amount of time teams spend in the penalty uh, per game and do, 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 do and uh, this is great radio of course um no but i remember i mean this is something i was first became aware of when when daryl Morey, when uh when they they when the rockets had yao ming who's who's you know great drawing fouls but also an 80 some percent foul shooter he i remember daryl saying something that uh that that he became the best player in the league when houston was in the penalty and I think that goes to that goes to what you're saying about um, uh, uh, about the value of of just getting that there early. And because yeah, someone tries to you know muscle and beat out of post position, and they pick up a loose ball foul, and now you're in the penalty. All of a sudden, you've turned uh, trying to throw the ball into the post into a layup, and that's that's just well, and, and valuable. We've talked about how def- defenses change as teams get into foul trouble, in particular individual player defense you know guys are less aggressive when they pick up that third foul in the first half when they pick up that fifth foul in the second half and so like there's eight billion reasons for for ben simmons to continue to put pressure on the defense but in particular um i do think that that he could pick up more points and that's going to help him win like just the plain and simple more points from ben simmons on freebies will be a huge boon all of the other things are just added benefits yeah, I mean, so, that's, that's all it is. Oh, he got the I've successfully vamped for – yeah, I've vamped for time. Uh, <laughs> la- this So far this year, and it's early season, so the numbers are, are you know what they are. But so far this season, Philly is third in the league, uh, getting about a third of their possessions while they're in the, in the, uh, in the bonus. Uh, last year, they were uh, slightly below middle of the pack. Am I balling it? That looks like they were about 18th or so, uh, about uh, 26.5% of their possessions uh, occurring while they're in the penalty. And in general, like offensive rating goes up uh, three or four points, I want to say, uh, in, in the bonus. So, yeah, you're getting, you know, you're, you're in those kinder situations where you get just easier play because A, the fouls that send you to the line, and B, guys are aware that, that they can't, like, 
they can't muscle through a screen because it would be free throws. Um, and so right. I, I, so yeah, all those things about Simmons drawing fouls. Is very we we also got to talk a little bit about Tobias Harris too. You know, the the most he su- success he's had it has come under Doc Rivers when he was a Clipper, right? Like that's when everybody's like, wow, this dude's a, a, a max contract guy when he was playing with the Clippers. And whether he is or isn't, a whole different story. But that was his most successful the reunion with Doc. And him is is a big thing. And you're watching him play a lot more aggressive. And he looks a lot more comfortable in the system that they've built. And he's kind of a little bit of a bridge for both guys, uh, for the coaching staff and the and the the players. So I think there's there's an element to that too that's just like he's beginning to kind of blossom a bit on in his role as kind of their second scoring option um for this team. Well, you know, that when you look at the numbers, like the raw numbers, he's he's Scoring 19, 20 a game, about the same as last year. But right now he's doing it more efficiently. And the way that Doc is using him, in particular getting him involved in pick and rolls, is opening up stuff for other guys. And again, this is yet another reason why shooting is so freaking important is because now all of a sudden you actually have space to run Tobias Harris pick and rolls. Yeah, And you couldn't before. I mean, simply that. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. We talk, we talk a lot about, about putting shooters around Simmons and Embiid, but poor Tobias Harris, no, nobody ever thinks about making stuff you know a little bit easier for him. His spot-ups have been great. He's up over one point per possession on spot-ups. Uh, again, just having the room, not being the only shooter on the court. And he's not even a shooter, but a capable shooter. Um, not being the only guy on the court has made everything easier for him. And he's and also part of his his uptick in efficiency is he's is he's having to do a little bit less with the ball. I mean his, uh, you know he every single one of his three pointers so far this year has been assisted. Uh, last year most of them were, but it was still you know about fifteen percent weren't. And it, he's he's taking far fewer mid range shots this year. So again, which is another thing that that means he's being able to sort of play off of other people a little bit more. Again, with the spacing that's created uh, by this this sensible offensive construction as opposed to you know ending up with the last year it seems like he was the guy who ended up with the grenade a lot because you know it's hard to it's hard to get him beat the ball late in the clock and have him do something and Simmons being a non-shooter is not an ideal kind of late late clock creator and so so who does that fall to amongst their best guys well is Tobias Harris and and his his kind of efficiency and shot distribution suffered for it I think that Seth Curry this year is going to wind up being that guy. 
the the release valve, late shot clock. I mean, just he's such a great shooter. He might be the best shooter in the league right now. It's him or Duncan Robinson. I think it really depends on, you know, how you're judging this. Duncan Robinson certainly takes some difficult shots, but Seth Curry makes so many different types of shots. I'm not quite sure. Seth is sitting here racking, watch him racking his brain, trying to decide. Well, so I think that, that, um, I think Duncan Robinson might be a, hmm, this is tough because Seth Curry is like the one guy in the tracking data era who's hit over 50% of his open threes, um, which is an absurd stat. Uh, and Duncan Robinson is the best, has has the highest contested three-point percentage. But I do think that, that, Seth Curry is a more versatile player. He can get to the basket more. He can right. do more off the dribble, certainly, than Duncan Robinson. Uh, and he's not hes not like uh, a high-level dynamic dribble scorer, but he's good enough that he can he can do some stuff with it off of his – off of the threat of his of his shooting ability. So I, you know, I think he, he – like the versatility allows him to, to just get more shots than, than, than Robinson does, even if not all of them are threes. And all this conversation about Philly and Tyrese Maxey isn't even good yet. God, just wait for a couple of months when he's when he's really good. I mean, it's ironic because um, I had a Philly right. cheesesteak sandwich for dinner. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, so uh, as we wrap up, we, we're going to wrap up the way we do every week. Uh, Mo, what are you watching this week, man? What, what are you looking for? What's what's catching your attention? I'm. I you know what, Dave? I really don't have one thing I'm watching for. I'm just trying to take it all in. It's still a lot of hoops and a lot of one time and, and, and trying to figure out what everybody's doing. Some have said it's too many games. Some meaning me, uh, a lot of 10, 11 game nights. <laughs> it's, it's kind of hard to pay attention, especially when you have nights where every game was good. Uh, Seth, what about you? What are you looking, what are you looking ahead to? I'm still uh, kind of side-eyeing the Denver Nuggets. Um, we talked about Philly uh, already. Like you know, Philly is is doing this year so far, kind of what I predicted them to do last year when I you know picked them to make the finals and Embiid to win MVP, uh, and you know I picked the Nuggets to have the best record in the West and Jokic to win MVP. So uh, get your twenty one twenty two Nuggets bets in now, everyone. Um, so Folks, I just whatever whoever he picks next season, bet the under. <laughs> <laughs> that's see that that's the better track there, well right? no that's dave you track. okay mo can take that shot you mr no, warriors you definitely no, cannot. Cannot. hang on yeah. <laughs> well the warriors are making the playoffs this year so they're making that, the play in that'll, game, at least, maybe. that'll be nice listen or, orlando magic six and two second yeah. in the uh in the east right now losing markel false that's that's a bummer um yeah i uh I'm watching Denver closely, obviously, uh, but Portland is, is sort of the team I'm I'm trying to figure out right now because I don't really understand why this isn't working. Um, uh, I can tell you, it is yeah. Seth has a different reason than me, but go ahead. No, their 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 defense and especially their point of attack defense is abysmal. They're the worst. They they have awful the worst half court defense in the league right now, and it's because you know we, we knew this. We knew Robert Covington was a better help defender than on ball defender and he hasn't been great on the ball and you know cj has been great offensively but we also know that when guys are really going offensively and being heavy usage that you know the defensive intensity can drop 
And that's something that he's actually improved in recent years, but he's not been good this year and Dame has not been good mm-hmm. defensively. And so they're just in situations where they're just constantly in rotation every single possession and, and they're and getting just gashed. One thing I'd like them, they need to start changing their lineups here a little bit and start playing with this thing. Ennis Cantor is not an everyday player. He's a utility player. He's a player, I think. Well, they just don't have. They just don't have. I guys. know they're. I know they're out. Zach I know Collins they're out with Zach out, Collins. Right? But you know what? Play Harry Giles. Like get something a little bit different. Y- you have to start changing these things up. I'm not a big fan of Derek Jones Jr. starting. You know, me and, either. And, and maybe it's Rodney Hood. Uh, maybe you're small Gary and you Trent, start just Gary play Gary Trent. Trent. Yeah, yeah I, 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 I understand Trent. the argument because he's but he's small, so maybe there's mm-hmm. that, and you're you're already small with with CJ and Dan, but. I, I just think you have to change. They have to start changing and finding the lineups that work. But it's mm-hmm. to me, Ennis Cantor is is a nice utility player. When your offense is struggling and you need a, a jump start, put put Cantor in. But uh, uh, everyday guy, I don't think he's that. And I think that's one of the the problems going on with Portland. Aside from atrocious, I they think their defense would get better if they change their rotations a bit. That, it's it's funny. Well, so now I don't have to. Yeah, no, I, was, I don't have to watch Portland this week because we just. No, but it's, it's funny that you use the use the the Portland example because that uh, uh, now because getting back to what we talked about at the very beginning of the show with like when Steph Curry's minutes are like the reason you do that is like well if Cantor's going to play the first four minutes of the fourth quarter put Steph out and that's just that's you know right. that's a blowtorch. Whereas if you're you know if you're you know to most point like you okay you have an opposing point guard who, who's good off the dribble can't be in the game. You just can't be in the game. It's just, it's can't play canner. Yeah, can't play canner. I mean, you can play canner against like Lonzo ball. You can't play canner against Steph Curry. That's right. And, and I, Cause he's going to hang 60. Yeah. I think it's an obvious thing. And if you guys, if people don't think people need to understand part of our scouting reports, at least when I was in the league was we always knew the other team's rotations. We knew the, the the steady rotations. We knew when somebody's going in and when somebody's coming out, and and all of that. Like that was part. That was in all our reports. So that's something teams are well aware of. Yeah. Well, that's going to do it for this week on Nerder She Wrote on the Athletic NBA Show. We will, of course, be back next week and every week thereafter for the rest of the season. Uh, don't forget to check out Basketball Buzz dropping Monday, and uh, go subscribe to the Daily Ding. It's a good show. A lot of Dave, a lot of Mo on that show. Never get enough. Uh, Until next week. Well, I've gotten enough. Uh, Until next week uh, for Seth and for Mo, I'm Dave. Thanks for listening. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 
See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.